We need a solid foundation. I seek stability in my life. I want to build a life that endures. I want to know when everything else is shaky and, uh, and not solid and not where it needs to be, that there's a foundation that I can rest on. There's a foundation I can grow with. There's something that I know that when everything else is moving around, I'm not going to go anyplace. I'm going to be solidly founded. Are you with me? We need to find that place of solid foundation. We need to find where that, where that foundation is. There, what is important in the structure of a building is the bedrock and the foundation. The bedrock of the foundation is sat on and the foundation itself. This morning, you're going to watch as a skilled craftsman builds a foundation. You will find that as he's building, there are some things that keep things in alignment. You will find there are some things underneath here that will add stability even before the foundation is built. And you will see as we grow that, that, that this thing is going to not move any place. Next week, I encourage you, we're going to talk about how you can trust the Scriptures, okay? If you have some cynics and some skeptics about how, what the Scriptures uh, in, your, in your life, how we can trust, how we can, you should come back and bring them with you next week, okay? There is a foundation we can be built on. There is something solid that we can grow with, grow upon. If these two things, the bedrock and the foundation are secure, everything else is secure. Everything else will remain stable and secure in spite of and throughout the storms of life. And so, I want you to be encouraged today that this thing we call the Scripture is solid. It is going no place. Don't worry about them making a mess. It'll clean. Huh? Yeah, Patrick doesn't make it. I tell people all the time, Patrick doesn't make messes. I can be dirtier sitting in an office all day than he was when he comes home from work right before a construction site. That's the, that, that, that is the honest truth. So watch. He, he, he is building. He's going to show us what a foundation looks like. So to start off in that, I need you to turn, I need to, turn to Matthew 7. And I want you to put his finger in James 1, okay? We're going to start in Matthew 7. We're going we're to go from there into James 1. If you're not in a good group, get in a group. we got groups everywhere, man. We got a, we, we're in groups every stinking place. It's amazing. I can't believe that just the, 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 your desire for the Word of God is awesome to me. There's nothing that makes a pastor more excited than to know people are hungry for the things of God. I promise. I just charged it. Up. I just, uh, we'll keep growing together. This thing is secure. Let's construct a foundation together. Matthew 7. Sort of, let's look at verse 21 first and we'll bounce into verse 24, okay? Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Does that seem pretty, uh, what's the word I want? Clear. Not everyone who calls on, who claims to call on the Lord will, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now here it says, only those, look at these words, only those who actually do the will of my Father. Those are powerful words. I, this week, uh, I, I uncovered some, I can't say, I can, my wife came to the church because, many of you know me very well, I'm a piles guy. I like piles. I'm not into files. So every now and then, I have to have my wife come over and clean up my mess and file something away so we can find it later. 
And this week, my wife was putting some things away, and she came, ac- she came across a, a file in my, in my file cabinet. And it was a red file, and it, on, the, on the tag on the thing, it said church growth. And we, she opened it up, and there were notes in there from Pastor Eric, some written in his own handwriting. And it made my heart leap because some of the things written there, which I had never seen this piece of paper before, were things we've been teaching for the last few weeks that he'd written in his own handwriting, although he said them differently. A few weeks ago, I said something like this. It's not important about seating capacity. It's important about sending capacity. On this piece of paper, Pastor Eric wrote this. Attendance is not that important. What is important is ministers, people actually doing ministry. You don't make a guy jump off the chair, dude. I just about came out of the place. But one thing he said was this. He said, we, we, we want to talk about the game. We want to sit in the huddle, but we very rarely play the game. We want to talk about the end time place. We want to talk about the evangelism place. We want to talk about the Holy Spirit place, but none of us ever come out of the huddle long enough to get anything done. That was in his handwriting on the sheet of paper. And what Jesus says right here is this. It's not important that you talk about the word. What's most important is that you actually do the word. You actually apply the principles. You actually live the thing out. The tagline we've been going over the last over the next six weeks will be this. Learn the word, love the word, live the word. We've got to have all three of those operating all at the same time. And here's the deal. It's a solid foundation. Matthew 7, 24 says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains come and the floods and winds come, they beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. You see the difference Jesus makes here? It's not, you can sit here in this sanctuary, in this auditorium, in this building, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and hear the word of God, and it can be completely fruitless in your life. The dividing line is not hearing the word of God. The dividing line is doing the word of God. That's what builds a solid foundation. The bedrock of this whole thing is the word itself, the word of God. Isaiah 48 says this, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Those are Jesus' words. So here's the thing. We have this foundation being built The bedrock that this thing sits on is solid. It lasts forever. I watched Patrick build a house over on Chapel Creek a few years ago. And they dug that thing down as deep as it could go. And I watched as footers were poured. And when that foundation was set, buddy, it was set. I watched as as, as that thing was constructed. I, I worked in a place one time over in Shawnee Square Mall. I didn't know about Shawnee Square Mall. It's built on a place where the river used to run through there. And they came through and they put in field dirt and built that thing up. Well, the store I used to work in, one day we were walking around, and all of a sudden, 
there's a crack down the wall. I swear it was that big. Do you know why that was there? It was there because it, the building was not built on bedrock. It was built on fill. It was not built on something solid. It was built on something that settles and moves and gyrates with whatever else is going on. And so all of a sudden, there's this crack down the wall. Here's the thing I want you to know. What we have is solid bedrock. Everything else comes and goes. This Word of God that exists between the leather bindings of, your, of those things, it is, not that, it is not that actual article. It is not that actual book that stands forever. It is the words contained therein that will remain and stand the test of time. The gilded pages will become, become faded. The leather may become ripped and torn. Every, that may be come and go. But the content therein will remain and stand strong. And that's good news. Because everything else is shifting and moving and, and, and going sideways. I want to say something else. I think Patrick's got a tag for this somewhere. Maybe, maybe not. There's a name the Bible calls the cornerstone. I don't know if they are or not. Look in there and see if Jesus is on there. Look in there. First one. Jesus, there he is. The cornerstone, the scriptures say, of this whole thing, this whole foundation, is not, somebody, not, not just a thought, not a theory, not an idea, not a principle. The cornerstone that the rest of the foundation is built on is a guy named Jesus. To his own confession, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Okay? His own thoughts about himself, and C.S. Lewis is quoted as saying either, if he makes that kind of statement, there's only three things that can be true about him. He's either, either absolutely nuts, he's a lunatic, or, he's, can't tell, or he can't tell the truth, he's a liar, or he's the Lord. There are no other options. If a guy would make that kind of statement, that's the only thing you could, that, that are the only options you got. His family thought he was off his rocker. We're going to read some words from one of his brothers here in just a minute, in just a few minutes. Jesus is the cornerstone. 1 Peter 2.4 says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. This morning, as you sit here and you listen to me talk, if Jesus is not the cornerstone, your foundation is shaky. If Jesus is not the, the thing the rest of your life is built on, it will not stand. If you don't understand the word of God as the thing that withstands all the storms, here's the thing about it. Jesus says these words. The book of John says these words. Jesus, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. Huh? Everything was created by him. And then verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when we're talking about the Word of God, we are talking about the person of Christ, always and forever. Always and forever. The raw material that, that, that God works with to build this foundation is application in human life. As the foundation grows, he says, it's, the bedrock is solid, the Word of God stands. The cornerstone, the lead that everything else is built on is this person of Jesus. He's not going anyplace. Patrick wants you to let you know. He's not going nowhere. 1 Peter 2, 7, 9, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. 
But for those who reject them, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. Now, those are these next words. Here's how they stumble. It's funny because it doesn't utter the words faith. It doesn't utter the words believe. Yeah. They stumble, listen to these words, because they do not obey God's word. Do you catch that? They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And they meet the fate that was planned for them. He goes on to say, but you are not like that. You are God's chosen people. Why? Because you choose him and you choose to obey. Now, I'm not getting off off of grace. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, okay? We start in grace, we end in grace. It is the grace of God that gives access to the word and to the person of Christ. That never ends. That doesn't stop. But God does expect once we start following him that we grow with it. The foundation is built on the bedrock of the word off the lead of the person of Christ. I don't know if you noticed this. Patrick's building a lead right now. There's this, there's, there's, there's this string he'll put on either end. And once he gets this corner done and gets the lead built, the rest of the foundation will begin to take shape. He can't do anything until he first builds a lead. Okay? The lead has to be solid and secure. This lead of Christ is solid and secure. The rest of the building, once that lead is in place, everything else goes like it's supposed to be. If the lead is off, the rest of the building is messed up. Off the lead of the person of Christ, with the mortar, the thing that sticks the whole thing together is the mortar of application. If Patrick does not apply mortar between these, between these block, you can come in and take any of them out you want to. But once you take that mortar and stick it in there and that thing dries, that building is going no place. Except with a bulldozer or a sledgehammer or something like that, it's going nowhere. You just can't reach up and pull the thing out. So the mortar that God gives us to make this word stick to our lives is us applying the word. The more you apply the word, the more sticky it becomes. The more you walk in the word, the more sticky it becomes. The more, the, more, the more you do what God says do, the more sticky your life becomes to the things of God. It cannot be shaken. And so as we endeavor down this 40 days in the word path, my hope is not that you'll just gain knowledge. My hope is you will receive knowledge that will motivate you to do something. That will motivate you to act like Jesus, to walk like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to be what Jesus was. If all you get is, if all you're hoping to do is gain knowledge, that's all you want to do, quit. Don't even bother to go to a small group. Don't bother to sign up on the, on the mailing list. Don't bother to sign, don't, don't, don't bother to, to even show up the next few weeks because it will do you no good if that's all you want is knowledge. If you want knowledge that will transform your life, help you become more like Christ, then keep on trucking. Do not stop. Don't give up. Learn the word, love the word, live the word. That's it. That's what we'll do for the next six weeks. Patrick's getting that lead built. The work of construction we find in James 1. And there's some very important scriptures there. James 1, 19, says these words. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You all must be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. 
So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And I'm going to accept the word of God that he's planted in your hearts. It has the power to save your souls. There's three things he says here. I think it's funny. In James 1.19, he says, listen much. Listen much. Listen much. We get into problems in the body of Christ because we want to do a lot of talking about the word. We want to do a lot of listening. We want to debate this idea and that idea. Did God mean this? Did God mean that? We want to get here and we want to have all these. And Are you a Calvinist or are you a Wesleyan Arminian? Are you believing pre-trib or post-trib? Do you want, and God's like, uh, listen, just read my word and listen. I don't know if you noticed, it's our mouths that get us into trouble. Did you notice that? Huh? We can talk so much, we get ourselves into trouble. And the first thing James says as he starts this idea of talking about the Word of God, he says, listen much. Be quick to listen. Patrick, got that already? You're ahead of me, aren't you, my brother? Good man. He says, listen much. He says, speak little. Listen much and speak little. Listen, there's one reason God gave you two of these and one of these. You know, our relationships would be a lot better if we double the amount we listen and half the amount of time we speak. Huh? We, our relationships would be in much better shape if we just half the amount, amount we use this and double the amount we use these. Well, I'm, I'm talking about your wife. I'm talking about your husband. I'm talking about with your children. I'm talking about with your coworker and your boss. I'm talking about with your neighbor you can't stand. I'm talking about whatever. No, no pun intended, Jim, okay? He kind of leaned back like, what is that all about? And if we would just listen... Twice as much as we would speak things. And what? It's doubly true of our relationship with Jesus. If we would take time to listen to him and let him speak to us and not always come to him talking all the time where he can't, where he can't hear where we can't hear him, we'd be a lot further down the road. And he says this other thing. Patrick, I'm still moving. Are you with me yet? He says, and slow to get angry. I'm calling this a spirit lead. Okay? Because he goes on to say, human anger does not produce, in the words the writer uses here, the righteousness of God. When our passion's getting in an uproar, we do dumb stuff. When our passions get really... We say dumb stuff, and we do dumb stuff. When our passions overrule our spirit, we have problems. So my encouragement to you is build with a spirit lead, not necessarily a passion lead. And passion, I mean those fleshly inclinations that are just natural to you. Human anger does not. James writes, he is the brother of Jesus who thought Jesus was nuts. He was the lunatic. He thought he was the lunatic for a while, not the Lord. And he writes these words, and he says, "Slow to get angry." Boy, we a lot. Whoo! That's a mouth. I could just camp out there and preach a whole message on that, probably. 
Huh? Human anger does not, the Scriptures say, produce the righteousness of God. Those are God's words, not mine. You can get angry about stuff and never do anything that, that creates righteousness. You can throw stuff. Now, Jesus did get angry. I'm not going to make any bones about that. There was some righteous indignation Jesus operated in, and he completely was without sin, and he was completely justified in what he did, and he did business. So don't misconstrue what I'm saying, okay? But most of the time, we get angry about stuff, and then we cross over from being led by the Spirit, we get crossed over by being led by our flesh. We get led by our passions. One place in Scripture, he says to, 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 to submit our passions to Christ, to the cross. Our passions have been crucified with Christ. So you got to build with the spirit lead. you got listen much, speak little, have a spirit lead with Jesus as the cornerstone. Now it's funny because this directly lines up with a couple pieces of Scripture in the Old Testament. As you're studying the Word, it's good to take, to take pieces and understand and lock them together. Because the word, it's, word is inerrant. There are, there are no, it, it does not mess up. It does not contradict itself. It, 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 is, it is true. It is holy. It is pure. And in Micah 6, 8, he, he talks about kind of the same thing. One of the things you'll find in a small group is they encourage you to look at Micah 6, 8 and find a source of application of the Scripture using Micah 6, 8. And Micah 6, 8 says this, O people, the Lord has told you what is good what he requires of you to do what is right one translation says to do justly you were here a few months ago I talked about this on Father's Day last year to do justly means to judge rightly what God's will is let me ask you a question how do you judge rightly what God's will is you take this thing called the Bible and you listen much. That's how, that's how you know what God's will is. You take this thing called the Scripture, the foundation, everything is, and instead of talking so much about what you think God says, you find out what God really says. And that's how you do justly. You listen much to what He's already told us is His will and His purposes and His plans for you and for the planet and for all of that do justly Patrick slopping it on there man do justly means to listen much now he goes on And James says, speak little. But Micah says these words, love mercy. That has everything to do with application. Sometimes we talk a lot about being the people of God and looking Christ-like and being Christ-like, but we never, we, 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 sometimes we don't cross the line in actually being that. And one of the ways, I've, I believe this on my heart, one of the most amazing things you can do to be Christ-like is to walk in mercy. To walk in grace, to walk in forgiveness, to love finding somebody in need and allowing the compassion of Jesus to so supersede your heart and so supersede your schedule and supersede whatever else is going on in your life and to, to just be used by him. So stop talking about the word. 
Find out what God says about the Word and get active about loving God and loving people the way the Word says we ought to. Love mercy. Okay? He says, James says, build with a spirit lead. Not human anger, not human passion. Build with a spirit lead. But Micah says these words. Walk humbly with your God. You submit your passion. You submit your flesh. You submit your schedule. You submit your life. You submit your point of debate, you submit your thing, and you before God, and you say, God, I, I will walk humbly before you. What you ask of me, I will give. You are the Lord, and I am not. My life is in your hands. I, I choose to walk humbly before you. I choose your ways, not my own. And James goes on to say, this is a growing process. He says, get, so get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly accept the Word of God, the Word, the word God has planted in your hearts. He, I think it's funny he uses this word planted because we live in an agricultural society here in, in southern Ohio. I don't know if you noticed driving out here towards the church, all those hills and fields and stuff out there. Planting is a process. It's not something that happens overnight. I read a story to my boys this week about frog and toad. Anybody read the frog and toad stories? Amen, brother. If you got toddlers, you know about frog and toad. And frog goes out, and he's trying to plant his garden. He goes out day after day. He's figured out that he can't. I think it's frog or is it toad. I don't remember which one it is. One of those two guys. They're both like amphibious type guys. I don't remember. And uh, he, he keeps going out, and the, the plants aren't coming up. And then one guy goes, it's because you're so angry. And so he, he turns his tactic, and he, he, he goes out, and he starts playing music and talking real nicely to the seeds, you know. And he keeps waiting. There's still nothing happening. Finally, he gets so tired of all the activity, he just falls asleep. And the other guy comes running into, hey, look. And they walk out there where he's been, and the, the little plants are popping up through the ground, you know. And then it's a process before the fruit's actually there. Listen, this Word of God, it, plant, it gets planted in your heart, but it's a process. Getting this filth and evil and equal, wicked desires out of it is a process. It's a, it's a thing that takes daily application. It's a, day, it's a thing that takes daily listening much and speaking little and not getting angry. And walk, letting passion motivate your life. It, it, it's a daily thing of doing justly and loving mercy and walking humbly. And in Matthew 13, it says if we complete that process, we'll bear fruit 60, 30, 100 fold, it says in there in Matthew 13. And so I want to get you ready. You're not going to get it right tomorrow. Just because I preached the first message and we built a foundation, tomorrow morning you're still going to be in the process. But here's where the process will continue to work in you as you keep walking each step and each thing got you discover what God says, you just seek to apply it as quickly and as effectively and as efficiently as possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what's going to happen? Some of you are going to mess up. You're going to seek to apply the Word of God, and you're going to stumble. It's okay. Keep walking. Keep walking through the process. Keep going through the thing. Keep seeking to listen much, to speak little. 
Keep seeking to, to, to not let anger and passion rule your life. Keep seeking to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly. Keep seeking those things out. James keeps things going and he, he, he makes it a real obvious that when we're looking at the word of God, he says, it's like looking at a mirror. Whistle while you work, you know. He loves music. He loves work. He said, so don't just listen to God's word, James 1.22. You must do what it says. You see the theme keeps weaving through these scriptures? Don't just listen, do. Don't just come to church and have a Bible study. Francis Chan one time did this thing. I loved the way he said it. He said, you know, if I walk up to my daughter and I say, hey, clean your room. And I come back a few hours later, and I walk into the room, and the room is still a mess. And my daughter goes, hey, you know what, Dad? I listened to what you said. I invited some friends over, and we talked about the ideas that you said I, should, I ought to do. And we debated, and we came up with a strategy, and we, we conversed back and forth what might be the best way to go about doing that. And we, we did, we've done all that stuff, and I, I've looked at it. I've, I've even memorized it. God, here, 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 Dad, here's the list. Do, 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 do. And he said, I walk into the room, and the room is still a mess. As a dad, I'm still mad. I don't care how much they've talked about it. I don't care how much they've memorized it. I don't care how much they've strategized about it. She has not done what I told her to do. And so much as in Christianity, what we do is we do that. We memorize it. We talk about it. We debate it. We strategize. But we never get to the point where we're actually doing. And as we go through 40 days in the Word, this is the key. It's not good enough just to think the thoughts of God. It's not good enough just to consider the thoughts of God. It's not good enough just to memorize the words of God. The only makes transformation of you, it only makes transformation of your family, it only makes transformation of your community, your workplace, your whatever, when it's actually applied. Well, Aaron, you know, it takes, here, here's the implication, okay? It takes faith and it does take the power of the Holy Spirit to do all that. I'm guessing that all of you get that. Many of you have walked with Jesus for years. You can't do anything without, the, without the, the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. You can't do anything. The, the, the mere fact that you apply it shows that you have faith. You understand what I'm saying? You trust God that what he said is the best way, and you go ahead and just step out there and do it. And so walk humbly. He says, this is like looking in a mirror. He said, he said it, it, you, you must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. The more you sit here and don't do, you are walking, you are becoming more and more foolish. The more you listen and don't do, you're becoming foolish. You only fool yourselves. For you listen to the word and don't obey. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. I would say this, allow your true self to be seen and dealt with. The one thing the Word of God will do with you is show you how you can, where the areas of improvement are. The areas you are not like Christ. The areas you are not measured up. Because you know what we do? We do this. Well, you know, Jim, I'm not as bad as Jim. 
You know what I mean? Don't, don't we do that? I must be doing pretty good with Jesus because, I, I mean, I don't do what Jim does. I mean, I, Jim's, you know, Jim, Jim's still struggling with some here. I've kind of overcome that. But see, Jim is not the standard by which I measure my life. See this name right here? He is the standard. And the only way I know where I'm, where I'm at on that, on that scale is measure myself next to him. And he will let me know where I'm weak, where I'm strong. And here's the thing. In the places that I'm weak are the places where his strength is most prevalent. The places where I'm most messed up are the places where he's the strongest. And that is awesome. And if I take his word, he walks alongside of me and helps me to walk it out. He doesn't leave me lost. And so allow your true self to be seen. And Some of you are hesitant to get involved because you know God's going to require stuff of you. I hope so. Don't go to I hope he, he, finds, he finds some places for you to work with and grow in. Looking into the Word allows you to see who you really are. Now look at this. Looking to the world gives you a false image of you. Looking to the Word gives you a true image of who you really are. Looking to the world or those around you in the world will give you a false image of who you are. And the greatest thing about Jesus is he always helps us along the way. James 1, there's a, there's a place of blessing here with this word of God. There's a place of practicality, which I love. James 1.25 says these words. But if you look carefully in the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Blessing is there. And here's the next thing. Blessings there. There's provision for you to carry it out. Endowment. This word blessing means to have an endowment. When we give an endowment to an organization, what do we do? We empower them to do what they need to do to accomplish their mission, their goal, right? When, we give, when there's an endowment placed in the hands of, of an organization, uh, they, they are given resource to accomplish their goal. Well, this word here, blessing, has to do with an endowment. Jesus said, I've given you a mission. Now I'll make the provision, the endowment necessary for you to complete the goal, to accomplish the mission. You begin to apply, I meet you. I bring blessing to where you need it the most. And so, so that's what he wants. He says these words. If you claim to be religious and don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Here's the thing I find is funny. The more of the word of God we put in us, the less of our own words will come out. So his practicality is, James is like, watch your tongue. I didn't say wash your tongue. I said watch your tongue. Okay? Watch your tongue is a practical thing. Find the word of God. Let it be. I heard a story this week. I think it was one of those devotions. I don't remember where, where, the, where, the, where the guy talked about in, in the, Hebrew, the Hebrew rabbinical schools, when the, when the teacher would come and, and, and teach them, they had slates they used to, 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 to transcribe the, the scriptures. And the, 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 the rabbi would pour honey on the slate. And he'd make personal, he wanted every time those students read the word of God, there was this connection to how good and how sweet, taste, and, you know the scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what that's talking about. So they would, the, the thing that they would, they, would, they would actually read the word and write the word of God on, they would find they could lick it. And it was actually good. And he wanted that imagery to be stuck in their minds, that their tongue would be full of sweetness. That they, they, they would find that the Word of God is what it's supposed to be. 
He says these words. You're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. See, when we apply these words, there's freedom for us. There's freedom from self. There's freedom from flesh. And there's freedom from the world. The world. When we begin to apply this, he begins to set us free. Remember, John 8, the Bible says that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Well, who is the truth? John 8 says, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Who is the Son? Jesus. The same word applied, the life of Christ impart into us from the Word of God, sets us free from self, from flesh, and from the world. And what we find, it's real practical to meet needs. And he even gives us specific instruction as to who we might want to target. He says, listen, take a look at some orphans. They need help. Take a look at some widows. They need help. Find the, what he's saying? Find the neediest amongst you. And if you get busy about doing these things, you won't have time to be corrupted. You won't have time to indulge the Xbox like you want to. You won't have time to indulge the Internet. You won't have time to indulge the gossip train on the telephone. You won't have time to indulge that. You will be set free from that because you just got too much going on in the kingdom. Jesus that makes it simple. It's all practical, man. It's not nothing difficult, hard, big. It's like, listen, find the need. Meet the need. Well, who should I meet? Well, find the neediest. Well, who are the neediest? Well, they're orphans and they're widows. That's who, man. My nose is running like a sieve. So what do I do first? You will speak differently if you're indulging the Word of God. Watch your tongue. You will love more deeply if you apply the Word of God, meeting needs of others. You will be changed eternally. You'll be untouched by the temporary. Is that good stuff? That's right here in the Scripture. So what do I do first? You don't just hear and process. You listen and you do. Don't just hear and process. Just don't sit and contemplate and think about and just... When God gives you something, do it. Where do I start? The last thing God spoke to you to do, do it. Some of you right now have found a roadblock. You know why? Because there's a piece of scripture you know God spoke to you to fulfill, and you've, you've, reluctant, you've been reluctant for six months. It might be something as simple as witnessing to that guy at work. It might be something as difficult as offering forgiveness to someone who absolutely doesn't deserve it. It might be something as, as beautiful as giving to a particular thing or, or crossing over into tithing or something like that. It might be any of that. And you found this roadblock, like, I can't get over, I can't get over. You know why? Because you're listening, but you're not doing. Go back to the last thing you know God told you to do. Go back to the last piece of Scripture that really stuck you in the chest and stuck you in the heart. Go back to the last one and go, you know what, I haven't done that yet. And start making application of that thing. You know what I found? When you do that, the foundation is secure. When you hear God speak and you step out, you know, maybe uh, look at some things I was thinking about here. Some of us, it's, it's husbands being loving to the degree God tells us to. For some of us wives, we're having problems because this respect issue keeps getting in our way. And you wonder why your life is not growing like it ought to. 
because there's something black and white in Scripture you just refuse to do. You know what I'm saying? Do the simple, easy things to understand. They may not be easy to do, but they're easy to understand. He promises that he will meet us if we listen and apply. See, we, we got some real solid work going on right here. You see that? You know what's amazing? As solid and as profound as that looks, listening to the voice of Jesus and stepping out can turn wishy water into a solid foundation. There's this guy named Peter. He hears the voice of Jesus. And he says, Jesus, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus utters one word. He says, come. And wishy water turns in to a solid foundation. And the only reason Peter had any problems is because he took his eyes off of Jesus and off the word Jesus spoke to him, and he started to sink. That's not unlike us. The reason we start to slumble and fall is because we stop listening to the word of God. We start listening to everything else around us and pay attention to other things. And we get our eyes off of Christ, which is the word anyway, and we get off track and we start to sink. But this foundation of the word of God stands secure, and it can be wishy water and still be secure. Today, your challenge is to apply the word. You know what? People would come running to us in droves if they saw the stability of the foundation we live, that we supposedly walk on every day of our lives. Yesterday, we buried Kenny Good, a longtime member of Church Triumphant. Rick Strange, his brother-in-law, told a story about how his mother-in-law, Hetty Saltz, we fondly refer to her as Mama, would grill, would grill Kenny about the things of God. She lived the kingdom of God in front of him. She prayed for him, and he knew it. And when his life got crazy, who did he turn to? He turned to Mom, Mom because he saw stability in her life. He saw the grace of Jesus at work in her life. He saw the love of God in her life. And she led that man to the Lord 20-something years ago. Today, Kenny walks on the streets of gold with Jesus. Dude, that just gets me. I can't really stand myself when I start thinking about that. Because it's eternal. The word of God is true today. Listen much. Speak little. Don't let anger get the best. You walk with the spirit lead. Find those. You know what I've loved about listening to you guys at Church Triumphant lately? You've just become very practical. God puts a, heart, uh, puts a heart for you about somebody in your life, and you just go and do something for them. You go and talk to them. Patrick and Leah and John and Rachel were at a, at a, a support group for their foster family, orphans. They're fostering things. And the la- am I right? The lady in the thing says, I keep hearing about that church of yours out there. You know why? Because people are applying the word. That's why. Oh, Patrick's going to be mad. I told you I'll be the one making the mess. <laughs> told you. Stand with me. Stand with me. How, how, what would we do from here? I was thinking about this during the worship. I was thinking about this during the worship. Do me a favor. Right now where you sit, Here's where, here's, where, here's where the thing changes. You go, God, I'm listening. And God, I surrender. If you don't know Jesus today, he is a solid foundation your life can be built on. You aren't worthy, you're right. You've done a lot of crazy, goofy stuff, absolutely. But you know what? Every person in this room has done the same thing. 
And what all of us can tell you sitting here, the grace of God is sufficient. The love of Jesus is profound. The power of God makes all the difference in the world. And he can change your life and transform it. His voice is calling to you. And he's saying, come, let me help you build a foundation of life that's sure and stable. He's calling to you right now. If you don't know Christ, it's as simple as this. You say, Jesus, I believe you are the Lord. You're not a lunatic. You're not crazy. And I know you're not lying. I'm coming to you right now. And his arms open wide and says, come on. Come on. Come on home, son. Come on home, daughter. Come on home. I'll give you stability. I'll give you assurance. I'll give you understanding. If you don't know Christ, you merely believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. And at that moment, things are changed. Life starts fresh and new for you. Anybody like that right here say, man, I want that. Anybody. My life is not solid. My life is not secure, but I want that. Anybody in here right now. Simple as this, Jesus, I believe in you. That confession of your mouth changes everything. Christian, right here. I want you to do, do this with me. Lift your hands up high. And we sing this song together. Surrender to his word. Surrender to his lordship right now. Sing that, trink that up a little bit back here, Chuck, if you don't mind. Lord Jesus, yes, Lord, is Christ in me. Lord, let us be a people who apply your word. Let us be a people who are people of the word, whose lives are stable and secure. God, in this moment, God, we commit to you we commit, Lord Jesus, to your word, to your truth. God, it's solid and secure. God, nothing else matters. God, I pray, Jesus, right now, giants will come down in the lives of people because they seek first to listen much, to speak little, God, and to not be led by anything but by your spirit, God, not their anger, not their passion, not their frustration, Jesus, but by your word. Lord, I pray, Jesus, they would find the weakest among us, God, and they would seek to apply your principles and meet their needs, God. I pray, Jesus, that your word become a bastion of life and hope. I pray it would be sweet to them, God, as they listen, as they ingest it, God, as they apply it, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Yes, Lord. This is our proclamation, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Mm. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense my righteousness oh god how i need you need you oh i need you every hour i need you my one defense my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Lord, we go back to that last word you spoke to us. And I pray those of us here who found the roadblock this morning, God, we'll apply that last thing you said we've been bucking you on. And God, we refuse to give up and relent and to give in, God. I pray, God, your grace would follow your people and that, God, they'd live for you. They'd love you. And they'd walk with you, God, all the rest of their days. God, I thank you, Father, for that.
For we honor your name and we bless you. In the great and awesome name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say, give God a hand clap.